In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. gentlemen, children of all ages, I got an incredible show for you today. The one and only fighting out of the Heroic Hearts Gym in Loon Lake, Washington, <laughs> dedicated to education, empowering people, healing and health through plant medicines and psychedelics with an impressive record for triumph over trauma, inspiring healing, happiness, success and achievement, and the highest levels, educator, advisor, author, counselor, Marketing master, the undisputed heavyweight champion, Dr. Randall World Hansen. Welcome Woo. to the show. Woo. <laughs> well, George, I you know, I know we're talking about the psychedelic uh, science conference today, so I just want to say I drank the Kool-Aid, man. Woo! And hold on one second for for more details. Fair enough. Well, we have Dr. Randall Hansen, who's drinking the Kool-Aid. You've seen him there. He is a, a changed man. It looks like the idea of psychedelic science has really gotten into him. The merry pranksters, the, the whole trip to Denver. Maybe it was Dennis Walker that got a hold of him. I don't know, but uh, let's <laughs> check and see him here. All right. <laughs> I'm almost done with the uh -oh. costume change. The transformation is among us. The drum roll. And Bye -bye. <laughs> so that's the reality of psychedelic science. Uh, I think people from the outside might have seen it as this kind of hippie love fest. And we'll talk. There was definitely some of that for sure. But the reality of it for me, the, 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 the biggest takeaway was... And I don't know, some people might see this as a downer. I see it as a positive thing, but it was just, it was a professional conference. It was professional. I mean, we had people of every walk of life there, really, but uh, amazingly, so many counselors and therapists there. And it was, um, in fact, someone said, I saw a post on LinkedIn a couple of days ago, they were actually disappointed because it was too much like a regular conference. Mm -hmm. 
And but to me, that that was a sign of we made a really big step into moving this into the mainstream because in any industry, there's got to be a professional component to it. Yes, there can be outliers of all sorts, but you need to have this engine kind of driving it. And the problem we have in psychedelics is we don't know what that engine's going to be just yet. And so that's, but that's the cool part too. We're struggling. We're, we're trying to find this. We're arguing, we're debating and we're learning. And, uh, and that to me is the coolest part. I mean, it was, uh, you know, from from uh, Rick Doblin's opening statement where he said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, you know, we're not tripping, culture is tripping. Uh, and that was like, yeah, and everyone's going crazy. But, you know, that's that's the reality. It, 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 uh, so anyway, so I'm looking forward to, to chatting with you today about it and, and seeing how you're doing, too. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I'm, I am doing fantastic. I uh I feel really fortunate to be here, and I agree that it's super exciting to see the way in which the world of psychedelics is being bantered around, from Dennis Walker to the to the boys that are pitching, you know, ROIs and all this stuff. Like it's so interesting to hear and see the the ways in which psychedelics are changing the world, and it, it's a lot like a psychedelic trip on that come up. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You get these butterflies, and you're like, "Oh man, I take too much. Is this not enough? What's going on?" And it seems like that's exactly what's happening in culture. I think Rick Doblin is right that culture is tripping. But I wasn't there, man. You were the one that was there. Maybe you can walk us through what it was like from the beginning. Like, like you had a nice long road trip and you show yeah. up. Just, just maybe before we get into the 10 takeaways, yeah. maybe you can give us your initial, your initial sure. feeling when you pull up. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny, you know, Jenny and I, my partner and I decided to uh, drive out there mostly because we looked at flights and we're like, oh, I think it's cheaper mm -hmm. to drive. But I'm so glad we did, especially after the conference, because just like a psychedelic experience, you know, man, we needed some serious integration after that conference. And so two days in nature was was pretty darn good. Uh, found some amazing hikes and just kind of breathe and also the city we're not city people and and denver is a you know pretty nice city but too much too much concrete and uh so happy to get out of there but the initial impression was um so we got there tuesday afternoon uh maps had warned people to try to register early rather than do it get your badge wednesday morning and so going in there it was already chaotic on that tuesday afternoon but we got our badge pretty quickly, uh, peeked into the ex exhibition hall, which not that many booths were set up. I'm like, whoa, this is going to happen tomorrow. I hope they're working on it tonight. But uh, magically by Wednesday morning, you know, the booths were all up. And uh, But walking into that convention center Wednesday morning was the energy was palpable. I mean, you could feel it and it was amazing. Uh, I loved uh, some of our European and, and non-US mm -hmm. uh, people posted, there was this funny sign right by the entrance. It, was, it said something like, welcome to science, uh, Psychedelic Science 2023. No handguns allowed. And people were like, <laughs> uh how does this work it seems like an oxymoron here or right. something but and then people are like yeah only in the u.s would there be a psychedelic <laughs> conference where they're banning weapons <laughs> but 
uh, and then and then that opening uh, opening session in this massive auditorium, and uh, a beautiful opening piece by this uh, indigenous uh, woman uh, talking about her culture and her experience and and how we should be respecting the medicine. And it was it was wonderful. And then Rick Doblin came out in this flowing white outfit, almost looking like a you know like a dream, <laughs> um, and just you know shared his vision. And uh, to me, the most exciting thing he said, because it fits my life goal agenda, everything about what I am right now. Uh, is he he put the slide up and I wasn't expecting it that their their vision after they get through the MD, getting uh, FDA approval for MDMA is net zero trauma by 2070. So he said, you know, yes, there will always be new traumas happening, but if we can between now and you know 50 years or so, if we can heal all the childhood trauma all the intergenerational trauma, mm. then by then it's just new trauma and we can attack it as it happens rather than attacking it 30 years later when it's been destroying your insides for so long. So that was the most exciting. I mean, I probably the people around me were really mad because I was just screaming. I was so excited. <laughs> like, yes, yes, no, let's, let's clear this trauma because so much of the world in my mind you know, so much of the anger and the hurt and the pain and the frustrations come from, as you know, as we've talked about, it comes from this unprocessed trauma. And if we can, and I love that MAPS is 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 right there because, you know, they're proven what they can do. And so I'm so excited for the future just based on that one, that one opening comment in that, in that session. Wow. Just this concept of net zero trauma. Like that's enough for me to almost take a knee right there and be like, whoa, yeah. I've yeah. never thought about that. Like, why not? You know, why, why, why can't we do it? And the truth is if you start, maybe it's just because we're so immersed in this particular community that we see the changes on the front lines, same with the therapist or the doctors or anybody who has found a relationship with psychedelic medicine or entheogens, you know, it's, it seems that there is this sort of outbreak of of healing trauma. You know, I, I have never heard so many people in my life purge for their family. You know, and by that term, I mean solve generational trauma. Yeah. It seems like it's popping up everywhere. It's beautiful to think about. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I can't remember if we talked about this last time, but for me, this year has been a kind of a weird season of my father and kind of trying to really understand him better from an adult standpoint rather than a childhood standpoint. And one of the things I looked at was his mother, my grandmother, who was, oh boy, she was something else. She would argue at the, you know, flip of a coin and she would take both sides. She would argue both sides. I, I, as a kid, I remember thinking, whoa, what? She just switched sides and my father would just switch sides the other way too. And they just keep arguing. And so to me, that's energetic. You know, it's funny now, yeah. But you know, and she was always comparing him to her, his brother. You know, why aren't mm. you? You know, he. Oh, he's a member of the country club. Why aren't you a member of the country club? And it helps me realize there's that intergenerational trauma, and then it makes yeah. me wonder, wow, what happened to my grandmother that caused her to be, lash out so much 
Uh, and she was also extremely obese. So I think that was also the food thing was also, right. you know, a lot of traumatized people eat to fill that void. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, you start looking back in your family and you realize, you know, wow, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on. And if we can clear all that, um, you know, Jenny and I are both from Scandinavian families and we joke that the, the rule was sweep it under the rug. There's no problems. There's no problems. Yeah. It, the lug is getting, rug is getting a little lumpy, but other than that, no problem. <laughs> yeah. So, how could yeah, there that, possibly, how could there that, possibly be a problem if, if you don't talk about it? Right. Right. Of course. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> so, so I, I love that. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I don't know why I'm so affected by it, but I I just am. Uh, I I maybe that's finally my empathy really growing because of the the power of empathy in this space or compassion. But you know, I I just you know every day, you, whether it's in person or on the news, you just see someone reacting badly, and you almost immediately think, well, okay, there's something happened to that person and it hasn't been, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, the world, it sounds woo woo or whatever, but if we look at clearing trauma, uh, Ryan Roberts, who I absolutely adore, he's a, a veteran MBA. Uh, he posted yesterday, uh, after 40 plus years of living, he finally, can be his true authentic self, put all the mask away and realize what a beautiful soul he has. And I, I love him. Uh, I appreciate him. I said, Hey, can I use that quote for my new project? And he's like, of course, but that's what healing is about. It's, 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 it's not this woo woo. Oh, we'll all be about peace and love. Although yes, we will be all about peace and love, but it's not the woo woo kind of thing. It's, because when we heal, you know, uh, we find that that inner child that we've lost that had all these goals and ambitions, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the, the kind of that joke of, you know, five year olds, what do you want to be? I want to be a firefighter or uh, yeah. a police officer or, you know, whatever. And but we lose that as a reality become many of us lose that as the reality of maybe having to get a, a job as a teenager to support our family. Maybe it's our family doesn't go to college or all these things so or trauma happens obviously um and it changes us so but when we release that trauma it it just transforms us it's it's amazing to see it it transforms us and all of a sudden we we go back to seeing what we really are passionate about and one of the things that most of us become passionate about is helping others heal and so then it becomes this sort of uh, exponential healing because once we heal, we want to help others heal. And then, so I think this net net zero trauma by 2070 is really possible uh, with the addition of psychedelics, with the addition of really focusing on other modalities of healing because psychedelics are not for everyone. All the, and even those that they are okay for might be just be too scared to take the, the macro journey. Um, and so I'm just just uh, so excited about it. It's not the woo-woo stuff. It's just the healing really does transform you. Yeah, it makes it makes perfect sense to me. And 
you know, when I, when I, if I go back to the beginning of what you just said in this particular little exchange, when you see someone and they're acting out in a way that seems to be angry or it seems to be frustrated, I think it's incredible that our first thought can be like, oh, this person was hurt. Like that changes everything. Instead yeah. of someone being like, oh my God, this person's a nutcase. Or, oh my God, this person's horrible to be around. If your first instinct is, wow, this person's been really hurt before, that fundamentally changes your interaction with them. And in yeah. your change of your interaction, just to even a slight pause to think about that, that can fundamentally shift their view. If you just pause for a minute and be like, okay, this person's been hurt. I should yeah. treat them as someone who needs compassion instead of someone who is just, you know, mad at the world or upset with me because they're not upset with me. They're upset right. at something else. Yep. That changes the way you interact with them. And just that small pebble in the pond ripple radiates outwards and it changes everything like that. It's yeah, it's crazy to think about. Like I, I, I oh, please. I love that, George. Thank you. Because <laughs> no, that that's perfect. Because yeah, as soon as we realize, you know, probably in all those interactions, yeah. 98 or 99% of the time, it's not you, just as you said, you know, maybe 1% you, you grab something they were going to take, you know, the last item on the shelf or something like that. Yeah. But, and yeah, if you just, and the biggest word that came to me last year, my, my, the, the medicine, you know, took the hammer and smashed it on my head was perspective. Mm. And I, that's what it is. You just have to change your perspective away from so focused on yourself. Oh, it must be about me. You know, uh, that person's, you know, yelling at me, so I have to yell back. But when you change that perspective and say, wow, that person's hurting, I wonder what I can even do to help. Yeah. It, yeah. It's that beautiful ripple effect. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had it happen before where I've, I've been mad at someone and someone said something like, hey, how can I help you out, man? Something like you're having a tough day or, hey, are you all right? And yeah. that, like that just, just shifted me. I was like, yeah. You know what? Yeah. You know what? And then I would apologize. You know what? You didn't deserve that. Sorry. I am having a tough day. You know and it? Like yeah. it just, whew, it, it, it's so quick. It can fundamentally yeah. wash over you like a cool breeze or like a, a little bit of warm water, you know, and it yeah. just, it changes your perspective. I, yeah. it's, it's, it stokes me to think about the way in which we can heal and just, in just that moment. And the other so beautiful it, thing, yeah. the other beautiful thing, George, is it drops your, your wall, at least for a short second. Because yeah. all of a sudden, the reaction isn't what you expected. It's like, whoa, you're asking me if I'm hurt, you know, what's wrong with me or how I'm doing? Yeah. And so it immediately drops that <laughs> wall. So you have this, you know, and, and maybe you can expand that. But at least for immediate, you have that. There's that real person right there. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had this, I had this idea that I was thinking about yesterday. And it seems to me that we as individuals and the culture we live in, we kind of mirror our technology and sometimes we are, we are. Yeah. It, it kind of seems like our technology is a mirror for us. And for some reason I was thinking about the phone booth. Remember the phone booth? Like back in the day, I know yeah. people that are younger may not know this, but it seems to me a large part of my life and maybe my generation is stuck in this metaphorical phone booth. And like, think about your life as like, this big transparent echo chamber that you go into and you're surrounded by four walls. Everybody can see you, but yeah. you're, you're walled off from genuine contact. And to make it worse, there's this chained phone book in there. And that chained phone book is like, it represents everything you need, but it's, it's chained down and you can only flip through the stuff. And like, <laughs> you wow. Know, just, 
it's kind of crazy to think about, right? Like it is. that's us. We're in our own little personal phone booth and everything we need is chained to this one mode of communication. But we need not be in that phone booth. We can just walk right out of there, have genuine contact, genuine feelings. And I don't know how I went off on that tangent right there, but I just did. I'm sorry yeah. to do that to you. Oh, I love it because <laughs> I, I just had a conversation yesterday about phones. So it's kind of weird. <laughs> But it was about cell phones and okay. again, how we are so married. I thought that maybe that's where you're going, but it, which would have been even stranger, but yeah, um, you know, we're so married to that technology yep. that when it's not in our hand or our pocket or nearby, we kind of freak out because like, like Jenny j jokes that her entire life is in her cell phone. And if she ever lost that, mm. where, where would she be? I'm like, well, you'd yeah. still be alive. So that's, you know, it's not your entire life, but but I get it. So, so we are, and, and so that becomes, you know, this becomes a chain too. We're yes. chained to this. Yep. And yeah, all the information is here too, but yeah, you know, but, but Hey, let's go out and live. You know, we don't need to be chained to that technology, but I love the echo chamber thing because I've, I've, I've been struggling with that somewhat. You know, I, I, even with, you know, all the work that I've been doing, trying to do, I still get that, that ego that's just like, this is what should be happening. This is what should be happening. And it's like, shut up, shut up. You know, I don't want to, I thought I, I thought I pushed you far enough away. Uh, but then, you know, you have to lean into that and say, okay, what's going on. And so that, but that, that's the other thing I just want to mention, you know, is, is that on this healing journey, you know, it's never going to be one step and you're done. Right. It's always going to be, you know, and even if you take one step out of that phone book, that's only one step. You got to keep going and you might go back into the phone booth because it's a little sure. scary out there. That's fine. Yeah. It's okay to go back. Right. And then you then make a new plan, go forward again. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's fascinating to think about. And I, I love the idea of finding ways to move beyond our comfort zone. And I think that healing psychedelics and this whole modality that we find ourselves in is doing that, which yeah. takes us to this idea of, what what are the 10 takeaways? Like you have a list of 10 takeaways that yeah. you when you went to the psychedelic conference that you that you you went in there and you you found out some things and it looks like you had an incredible time. I, I saw you with uh Fiorella and you know the Heroic Hearts project. You had your shirt on and you were out there representing. What were some of the takeaways you got from there? Well, first of all, just just uh absolutely love the conference um you know I, kind of thinking about that phone booth the other funny thing i thought about was you <laughs> yeah. were talking about the phone booth is as soon as you said phone booth i thought covid because we were kind of trapped i mean yeah. I, I was again talking to yesterday about this you know we were you know self-isolating and literally in our own psychic phone booth in that sense and, yeah and that to me that's one of the, the greatest aspects of this conference was you know and it wouldn't probably wouldn't be prior to the pandemic, but it was, oh, wow, I can actually meet all these people I've been on Zoom with for three years in person. It yeah. was so cool. Um, That's a great point. Yeah. But anyway, so the first one we talked about was the the, the, the net zero trauma, which again, I, I, if that was the only thing to me, that's the, the greatest highlight. If, if we could, everyone jump on board that idea of finding healing, amazing. Um, the the second thing for me was all the people all the stories you know we had scientists there we had indigenous people we had 
uh, definitely some crazy far out people. We had some accountants. We had uh, just everyone you can imagine. And uh, it was just fascinating because, again, maybe just because it's been so long that I've been at a conference, but it was just like a thousand conversations happening all over the place. And uh, the sharing of information and knowledge and and as someone said, you know, you could eavesdrop in almost any conversation. You hear, you hear someone telling their journey, their story, you know, and that's again the uh, just a, the coolest part of it all. And again, you know, I think stories are the way yeah. we are going to help people heal. You know, they'll hear someone's healing story and be like, "Oh, wow, maybe I can do that too. Maybe I can heal." And so, uh, just beautiful stories that way. Uh, back to my opening. A uh, little fun sketch there. Uh, the third part was. Oh, wait, let me. Can I can I jump yeah, in on number yeah, two yeah, real yeah. fast? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, with the come with the coming together of the indigenous people and the scientific community and the business community. Yeah, I I had heard that towards the end that there was a group of indigenous people yeah. that were were rallying and trying to bring a message that commodifying something sacred is what leads to the abuse of the plants like tobacco becoming cigarettes the coca leaf becoming cocaine yeah. and i was wondering did you catch any of that or what was your what was your take on that you know I, i'm torn um because i i totally support that view there's no question right. i i support that view um um there were definitely plenty of indigenous panels speakers mm -hmm. during the conference my my main thing with that was, and that's part of the struggles we have. Again, sure. where where are we going with right. this industry? And my my big issue with it was, in my mind, the protesters were speaking to the choir. Those in the audience, yes, there yes, there are some business people there, but for the most part, those in the psychedelic industry we want, we respect the medicine. I mean, how can you take the medicine and not respect it? Right. Uh, yes. There'll always be 5% of any population that abuse things, whether it's, you know, uh, killing the, the, the toads or, or, um, you know, pillaging peyote. Uh, but for the vast majority, you know, um, when I'm, Jenny and I discussed this off offline, obviously, but when I talked to her about it, I said, I'd rather see them that protest at a, um, you know, some kind of alt right or alt uh, uh, some group. You know, to me, the psychedelic community is so open, so open to change, so open to new ideas. Uh, trying to figure out again the best modality of how we both respect the medicine, but also grant access to the medicine. And so to me, I, 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 like I said, I support that message. Uh, again, I, I, I look at Rick Doblin and maps and right now their main focus is MDMA. So yeah. that's not a plant. It's a chemical compound. And yet they do a lot with Chacruna and mm -hmm. others in supporting the indigenous and so again, I I just felt I felt a little badly for for Rick and for Maps and and, and a little badly for the way to end. Um, I think they did it also because they knew it would get some good press coverage, and I know it's been on Twitter and other places. 
so I, I understand it. And I, like I said, I support that we, uh, you know, I will never take peyote unless I'm in some indigenous circle, which I can't imagine I ever will be, but, uh, because I respect that so much. That yeah. is their medicine. Yeah. And I, if I want, uh, you know, Mexico and I can, I can go to San Pedro, right. Which is also a sacred plant, but not as it, it grows a lot faster and right. plentiful than, 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 uh, peyote does. And so I, th I think the majority of us, you know, uh, but there's, there's a, that debate. I mean, it's the same debate in, uh, uh, how whether we legalize things and do we right. legalize all plants or do we have a little asterisk that says <laughs> you know yes all plants are legal but don't harvest a peyote unless you're indigenous you know so you know, it becomes this kind of how do we how do we do and, and that's i don't know it, it's it's fascinating to me i think it's awesome that we're having these debates yeah uh and i think as long as we're respecting each other's voices to me that's the most important thing you know as long as we're listening to each other and and i thought rick was fabulous there he's like no let them speak let them speak and i you know again i don't i i had a very short conversation with rick um i didn't do a selfie with him because i felt like ten thousand other people yeah. asked for a selfie with him but i just said to him i said thank god you are the one doing all this research and dealing with the fda i said because I would be in jail if I were doing it because I would be, you know, shouting at these FDA people because, you know, these companies with big money get their drugs approved in six months, a year. And right. we're working in decades with MDMA yeah. and we're still not there yet. Yeah, that's well put. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to bring it up just so that people can have an idea of that. And I, I like the perspective that, everybody in that community does seem pretty open. I mean, maybe yeah. that particular type of um, confrontation would be good at like a Pfizer building or like somewhere yeah, where, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. FDA headquarters. <laughs> FDA, that would be, yeah, why not be hand in hand at the FDA? Hey, they want this, we want this. Like why not work yeah. together to go yeah. and fight a common enemy instead yeah. of dividing the group that we have? It's interesting but to talk about. Yeah, but I mean, there's so much, there's so much truth. I mean, even why psychedelic medicines are illegal now, it, it, it's all political, cultural right. BS and, and nothing to do with the medicine and nothing to do with, and, and totally trampling on the indigenous who have, you know, used these medicines for centuries. So right. um, it, it is something that needs to be worked on. And hopefully we're, we're moving in that direction. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All right, I think we I think we got that one. Okay, what okay. was number three going to be? Ah, uh, three. So three is, um, I don't know how much you know about Denver weather, and uh, uh, I know it's, they've had a lot of spring rain because there've been some flooding. But during this conference, during the day, the weather was gorgeous. But in the late afternoon, especially one day, the we had hail crazy lightning and thunder. I thought the power was going to go out in the conference. It flickered a little bit. And so my take out, my take from that, takeaway from that is, you know, everyone thought the psychedelics were going to be, this conference was going to be the wild, crazy thing, but the weather turned out to be the craziest <laughs> part of this conference. It wasn't, I mean, the conference was so laid back and like I said, so professional, uh, um, 
except for uh, the deep space area, which I'll get to toward the end of the, the podcast because I'll save that for near the last. But uh, um, so, yeah, the, it, it, the weather was absolutely crazy, uh, but the conference was sane. So that's the funny part. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy to think about. It's I don't know. In some ways, I in some ways it just seems like a psychedelic trip to me you never know what you're going to get and the environment around you sometimes can dictate the the way in which we react to each other and yeah it's interesting yeah. to think about yeah yeah <laughs> so was that when you walk in there yeah. what were there were there different types of what was the outlet like was there different conference room and different sorts of you know, was there room A, exhibit hall oh B, exhibit hall C? Like, how was the breakdown on that? Oh, my God. It was so crazy. Well, first of all, uh, again, speaking of our smartphones, so they have an app. Okay. And it could actually track you if you let it. And it would actually, if you punched in, like, I want to go to this talk in this room and hit a button, it would actually lead you like a like a Google Maps, lead you to that conference room. Mm. So that part was was pretty trippy and cool in its own right, yeah. but a little scary too with technology. Yeah. Uh, but there were, um, there were actually, I think originally there were something like thirteen or fourteen, uh, what they called stages or uh, conference rooms, big rooms, uh, breakout rooms, and the auditorium, as I mentioned. But then as the even on the first day of the conference, it was like, oh, there's a new stage over here. And, oh, we're adding this stage over there. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So they were adding speakers every day of the conference. And it was just blowing my mind. And I was like, so I, I, I was like, hey, maybe I should just uh, sit down somewhere and open my own little, get my guitar and you know, do something. Because it's like every day there was someone playing guitar or uh, there's this one funny guy that just had a sign that reminded me of uh, the Peanuts cartoon. But instead of saying uh, psychologist in, it said new ideas. <laughs> and it said this little handwritten sign, new ideas. And people were walking up to him and I guess either giving him new ideas or they were getting new ideas from him. But <laughs> it was just, this, again, just all this trippy little stuff that was happening all over the place uh, outside of all these stages. but. Um, it was, it was crazy trying to find, it was on, you know, different levels and, right. um, and, uh, and, and you just follow the streams of people just got into the flow and hope you went to the right place with the flow. <laughs> Man, it sounds, what was the all around vibe? Was everybody pretty jovial or was people talking to each other or were people, I'm sure there was a, a tons of different kinds of people, but yeah. was it pretty jovial going through easy to talk to people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, uh, I think the first day as we we're rushing all to get to the opening sure. session, it was kind of quiet and, and, you know, morning also. But uh, after that, you know, yeah, the, the, the conversation started and, you know, as, as I predicted and, and loved, you know, it was somewhat of a hug fest, you know, people just and then yeah. and it was just so cool to see, you know, uh, like you'd hear people shouting from across the hall like, oh. <gasps> Oh my God, there you are. Because again, yeah. you know, so many of us haven't yeah. seen each other in person. And so it was just, uh, or like uh, one time I, I was walking and I was so, I was so in need of coffee. So I'm like head down walking yeah. right toward the coffee line. And all of a sudden I hear 
ran, ran. And it took like three rands, I think, to finally sink in. And I'm like, but the coffee is calling me. Ah. But then I turned and it was this group of, of, of folks, including, including Charles Patty and others and, yeah. uh, and Adam Garfunkel. And I just went over there and we got big hugs. And and so that's, that was a vibe. I mean, yes, there were some you know, accounting firms and business professionals that were all uh, a little straight laced. But uh, for the most part, the vibe was just really positive. I, I love that. Again, changing that perspective. You know, when I first walked in that first day, I was sort of in that that business mindset, you know, oh, I got to plan my day perfectly. After that, after that, the first session, <laughs> that plan went out the window. And again, that's like a, a journey. You just, right. you know, you have an intention. Right. I'm going to go to all these sessions and do all this stuff. But then uh, medicine takes you elsewhere. And that's what this conference did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. And I could see how true that would be. Were there some specific, were there some specific papers that you wanted to see presented or some exhibits that you wanted to see presented? And did you make it to those? Yeah. uh, uh, the, The biggest one I wanted to see, they had... They had two two uh, dinners that were add-ons to the conference, and I would have loved to do both because one was honoring mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Roland Griffiths, who mm. is a big, big hero in my mind. Um, and then uh, I didn't go to that one because I just couldn't afford both of them. But the second one was a veterans uh, and first responders dinner honoring them. Nice. And... Um, uh, the stories, Justin Lapree, his story, his story, he was both a veteran and a, and a first responder. Uh, just again, you know, we've heard them before, but so, so powerful in, uh, you know, the, 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 the trauma and the hurting so badly that, yeah, there's my service gun revolver right there. I could use it today and all this pain you know, and, and, and yet find, finds a way. And, and he said something so amazing and I I'm, I'm dying to see this happen. And I hope he can do it, but he said, he announced, you know, most of the, the, the healing for veterans has to take place outside of this country uh, because it's, these substances are illegal and all these nonprofits have to operate within U S laws. So we send them to Peru or Mexico and uh, Justin announced that his his uh, nonprofit Heroic Paths Light is going to be having healing in psych- psychedelic healing in the U.S. And the crowd went crazy because you know in talking with Jesse Gould from Heroic Hearts, one of the big problems they have is all the logistics. Mm-hmm. It's not the the ceremonies themselves; those run perfectly smoothly it's getting the veteran to get a current passport and getting that vet off the medication and getting the vet to the airport and then the connecting flights and all these issues and if it could just be done in the u.s and you know the the hope with fda changes and rescheduling it will happen but you know most people are saying five or ten years but justin's like oh no we're doing it and so uh, i i love that aspect of it but uh, so to me, the highlights were, were definitely the stories. The one uh, session I missed that I would love, and I, and I think Maps announced they're going to be putting some of this stuff online mm-hmm. uh, at some point. So I can't wait. But they was there was a session 
uh, lessons psychedelics could learn from the cannabis industry. Oh, interesting. Oh, I really <laughs> want to go to that one because, yeah. and I was just having a discussion yesterday with someone we were talking about in, in Washington state, uh, cannabis is, is legal recre recreationally and medicinally. And, uh, the recreational cannabis has so much single use crap, so much mm. plastic used. And, you know, on one hand, it's amazing that we have these cannabis stores. Uh, we had a visitor a couple of weeks ago from a state where it's not legal. And he came in and he was like a kid in a candy shop. He's like, <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe this. And it was fun. It made my heart, you know, it's like yeah. sing a little bit. But on the other hand, you know, we should, you know, cannabis, psychedelics, it changes how you see things. It's how you see the world. And we shouldn't be using single use anything in this industry we should because again it's a, you know people throw that plastic it affects the, the climate and the world and all these things and so one so we have to figure out this model because i i mean i would love the idea of walking down to my corner store and choosing oh i'll, I'll try some lsd today or i'll, I'll, yeah. I'll try some mdma yeah but i don't <laughs> want it to be in these single use things. I wanted to be, you know, like maybe in the old, maybe like the old drug stores were, where it was a, you know, the, the druggist went and there's a big jar and, you know, Oh, how much do you want? 10 capsules. Okay, here you go. Mm -hmm. And, and, in your reusable thing you bring or a paper bag or something. So anyways, I'm hoping to see what those lessons are because that was, that was a lot of the discussion. And there were some uh, cannabis uh, exhibitors at uh, maps, uh, maybe, I think four or five, um, mostly hemp CBD. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think there are a lot of lessons to learn from that. And we're still struggling. I mean, uh, um, I'm amazed that cannabis is not, you know, even at the federal level, maybe, you know, we're not, so many states have done it, but we're still feel like um, we're stalling, not getting where we should be with cannabis. So, you know, psychedelics, definitely could maybe learn what not to do from that model. Yeah. It maybe it's like the older brother. You know, like they, they say that the first child is like a, the first pancake. You know what yeah, I mean? It's kinda, right. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe cannabis is like the first pancake. Like, ah, oh, I kind of got that wrong. Got this thing wrong. But yeah. Yeah. The next one, we're going to get it. It'll be perfect. You know, wipe the pacifier off, put it back in his mouth. Yeah. We're good yeah. to go. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I think there's some truth to that. I mean, the one thing that someone told me that I love is, and you know, it's sort of a, a sad reason, but a positive outcome from it. But he said, you know, he said, what's going to change these hearts and minds of, mm. of legislators is the veterans and first responders, because these suicides, mm. you can't argue with that. And how yeah. can you deny treatment, especially since, at, you know, silly as it is being called breakthrough or emerging, even though they've been around forever, but since they are being called that, you know, how can a legislator say, nah, I'll let these veterans die every day. So I think even though that's such a sad thing that's been happening and been happening for way too long, that might be that, 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 uh, hedge, what's that word, that, that linchpin that pops that door and gets faster FDA approval, faster rescheduling by the DEA of some of these medications. 
you know, that brings up an interesting thought in my mind about the cyclical nature and patterns of psychedelics and veterans. If we look back to the 60s, some of the greatest speeches that were given were given by soldiers that came back and were using cannabis or even psychedelics. And, you know, I can't give you the name of someone that gave the speeches offhand, but I remember scrolling through and listening like, oh, wow, it's impressive how they, they did that. But, but now you look at it. And instead of it just being a handful of soldiers that came back from Vietnam that were pro-psychedelics or pro-cannabis, now it seems like almost the majority of them are. Yeah. And, you know, may, maybe it's that cyclical nature, but it's a it's a higher tide every time. And now, yeah. you know, the 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 authority structure that was in place in the '60s is, has been receding, and that yeah. the tide has been moving forward. So yeah. I do think that the veterans are an incredible linchpin for the rest of society. I mean. You know, they've given their lives to protect everything that they've cared about. Yep. And I don't understand how anybody in our country or any other country cannot give back to the veterans if this is something that's helping them. Like, yeah. It just seems like the veterans are always the people at the forefront fighting, whether it's a, on a foreign shore or whether it's on our own shore. Foreign or domestic, here they yeah. are standing up <laughs> for what we need, man. I, yeah. Shout out to the veterans out there. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, we had when I was working the Heroic Hearts Project booth, we had a couple of Vietnam vets come by and they're like, can we get healing? And it's like, oh, yes, you can. And so, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so late. But yeah. yes, you know, it, it's it is it's phenomenal uh, that that uh, these veterans are, you know, and so many of them were, you know, very anti drugs to begin with. Yeah. But seeing the healing of their brothers and sisters are like, hell yes, I want that. You know, get me, get me on board. And you know, now we just have to deal with the, you know, there's so much demand for it, which is again why I love that there are now, you know, eight or nine nonprofits and you know, dealing with helping veterans and 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 also first responders because they, you know, they're dealing with trauma every day, almost every day, also. Yeah. Yeah, it, it speaks volumes of the level of healing that can happen. And maybe that gets yeah. us back to the 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 idea of 2070 and, and healing trauma in that fashion. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a it's a beautiful thing to think about. You know what? If we, if we just jump back there for a minute, yeah. when Rick Doblin came out, did he did they lay out like a framework to get there? Like the, hey, we're gonna do this mm. by 2070, but did they lay out like here's how we're gonna go? Like we're gonna start off here. Yeah, no, and then that would that would be pretty awesome. Um uh, <laughs> And you know that's a good question. I you know I should have I should have gotten Rick's uh, email address and asked him that, but uh, I'm sure they'll be coming out with that. I, you know, obviously their focus right now is on MDMA, but right. I, I I I would love to see that framework uh, and love to be a part of that work too, for that matter. I bet you we could go on there. I bet you MDMA is like the first leg of the journey, and then they yeah. have you know I, I'm sure if we if we if we did a little digging, we could see. Oh, I see we're. We're, this is the first half of the cannonball run and then we're going to go here and then here. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's beautiful to think about. And yeah, you brought up another good point. Like I, I, I hope that maps and the people there will release a lot of the papers that were presented because what's the point of having all these incredible people go and talk about papers, but then no one else can see them. Hey, we're going to show right. up to these 20 people. Like, yeah. Wait, wait, what about everybody else that couldn't make yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I really hope such. So Most conferences do, so I, I really hope they do because yeah, there are so many sessions that I wanted to get to, and like I said, went to the room and it was empty. <laughs> they moved it somewhere. Where do they move it? I look at the app. No, it still says this room. 
um, or just other, or just caught up with people conversation and all of a sudden you look at your phone and, oh, I just missed that one too. Mm. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, and if not, I hope the individual participants will post those on LinkedIn or their website or yeah. something. So yeah. Yeah. Do you know if there's any sort of like, uh, rules or regulations that say those people can no longer present those papers until they present them there. Cause it's, I spoke to a few people that were waiting to talk about things until yeah. they presented, which I can understand, you know, but I, I didn't know if, if, if there's some sort of, you know, um, etiquette or something like that, that allowed them to not present it until, you know, so many days afterwards. Do you right. know anything about that? Yeah. It's a, I think it's kind of a conference etiquette. I don't think it's a mm -hmm. rule. I think they could do it, but I think it's just, well, you know, this conference accepted it. And right. so I should, you know, talk about it there first, but right. right after that, you know, talk to whoever wants to hear about it. Yeah. Like for me, as someone who's fascinated by it and as a podcaster, I find that that to be particularly irritating because everyone's like, I can't yeah. talk about it until I present it. Yeah. And then after they present it, then no one talks to them. So I'm like, I gotta go. If you presented a, if you're listening to this, you presented a paper at maps and you want to come and present it again, Look me up, come yeah. out here and talk to me. I, I would love to talk to you. But it, yeah. it, it must be also very difficult for the person presenting because there's all this pressure on them. And they get up and they give this presentation and they get a great applause and then they're done forever. Yeah. You know, no one and then people ignore them from that point out. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> it, it's funny it, in a very similar way. Um, Jenny had this, you know, we, you know, we had this great hug fest, but the conference was so frenetic and so so much packed in that you had like five minutes to hug and chat and then you say oh i gotta go gotta go mm. and so that's the other thing about it's sort of that same let as, with yeah. the speakers you have that sort of let down like i did it now what whoa, whoa it's over and mm. same thing with the meeting people it's like wow this is so great so fantastic and then it's like oh wait i'm never gonna see that person am i gonna see that person again and so i i think that's sort of i my view would i'd love to have this as uh, I, have to, I have to think about it. I was going to say 10 regional conferences, but that yeah. wouldn't work if we want to. But something smaller or, I mean, it was, it, it was so pent up because it's been so many years since the right. last MAPS, it was a psychedelic science conference. Um, so like everyone's saying, oh, maybe they'll do one next year. And, you know, they didn't commit to that, but hopefully something because, and maybe just to not try to squeeze so much in because, uh, you know, it would just be nice to have time to be with people rather than this this hug how are you mm -hmm. yeah feel good love you bye move on to the next part you know kind of thing along with trying to get into the sessions and then if you're manning a booth per impersonating a booth you know uh being behind there and so it gets you know there's so much time time constraints that was a big issue too man when i say it like that it, it kind of sounds like sometimes in order for uh, so i get when I say it, when I think about it from that angle, it sounds like there was a lot of people involved that were trying to make a lot of money. And I don't want to say that, but it kind of sounds like when you rush it at that angle, get them in there, get these people over here. We've got to be successful. You can't present your paper. Get over here, do the booth. Blah, blah. <laughs> and then you're like, wait a minute, man. I didn't really get a time to sit down and enjoy what that person was saying. Or I wanted to see these yeah. 10 things. I can only yeah. see one. It's like going to Disneyland on the 4th of July. Like, yeah, you got to go to Disneyland. But you didn't even get to ride Space Mountain, man. You yeah, got a yeah. Ride. You got a, yeah. a hundred dollar hot dog. <laughs> yeah, or, or you know, you're in a you know, you you want to the speaker is so amazing and you want to yeah. connect with them, 
but there are a hundred people in line in front of you and there's another right. group of people coming in for the next speech. And so you can, so that again, it, Ooh, you don't want to be a cool thing to have what? would be having like a, a speaker reception every yeah. day where all the speakers of that day are in the room, maybe at the end of the day. Cause that way, if you've heard them, you can go talk up, go up to them and say, loved your speech. And can we connect on LinkedIn or wherever? That would be a brilliant idea to have a, a something like that, uh, because yep. it, otherwise, yeah, I mean, you know, I hunted some people down on LinkedIn and just connected that way because it's like yeah. there's no way I'm going to find them again in this conference center. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a great idea. You could have a whole continuing conversation move forward. Yeah. It's a, I don't know. Maybe in some ways it's like the. I, yeah, I, I don't know. In some ways, it feels like just all the serotonin invading that receptor. You know what I mean? Just overflowing. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I said, there were definitely moments in court. There was this one really long hallway and it, you know, that first day, a million people all streaming down that led to that ballroom. Mm -hmm. And it just looked, you know, if you kind of closed your eyes a little bit, it was like ants or you, know, you can have a little psychedelic experience of watching this, this, sea of humanity going through there um and, and i just love that so yeah there are, there are definitely moments of of uh, trippiness going on there and, and overload for sure it would have been you know would be fascinating as if like there could be a um thermal imaging of that whole dome. Oh. and then you take that thermal imaging of that dome to see what it looked like and then put it up against a brainwave of somebody that's on a high dose psilocybin trip to see if there was any similarities because it's kind of like one acting out of the other it's like the manifest the psychedelic manifestation of a psychedelic conference yeah yeah <laughs> that's cool. awesome i love that idea <laughs> man was there um so I know we've covered a couple of takeaways so far, and we've talked about some of the, the speeches and some of the presentations. What about some of the exhibits? I saw some really interesting like artwork that was out there. Were you able to take yeah. in any of that? Okay. So we'll jump into that. So uh, we had the exhibit hall and I want to come back to that, but we'll talk yeah. about the, the crazy psychedelic experience. So um, Dr. Bronner soaps is this, fabulous company based in California, originally from Germany, great story about escaping the Nazis and, and all that. But uh, David uh, Bronner and his brother, Mike, uh, the two executive, two top executives of the company uh, are big supporters of the psychedelic space. And so they were a sponsor of this thing, this area called deep space. Mm. And um, I meant to send you one of the pictures. I forgot to do that, but, uh, it was, you know, like black lighting, crazy lighting in there. And so that the first soon as you walk in, it's trippy, it's dark. And then uh, you have all these artists, both, um, how do I describe it? Um, actual artists drawing, painting, sculpting, but you actually have performance artists roaming around. And then this beautiful art gallery of all these crazy psychedelic uh prints beautiful and then you had this crazy dragon in there that uh i later found out was from burning man and there were some other burning man elements <laughs> right. in there yeah. artifacts uh they had two stages in there uh which 
were almost impossible. <laughs> and I didn't get to this, but someone told me in the far back they had vibrating beds and headphones with sound therapy that mm. you can just go there and have your own little trip right back there. Um, I escaped from the craziness multiple times there and just sat there a couple of little places with comfy chairs. I would just sit, breathe, meditate, calm, look up, open my eyes again, see the craziness in there and laugh. And then, okay, now I'm ready to go back to the conference. Uh, so it was a really neat feature they had, but uh, uh, one of the guards told me that some of the artwork was uh, extremely expensive and rare, and, mm. uh, but definitely beautiful. So yeah, that was, that was a really, I didn't expect that part of it, but, and of course I saw David Broder there and had to give him a, you know, give him a hug for that too. Yeah. But, uh, so that, that was, that was fabulous. And, and, um, like I said, just a neat place to kind of escape if you were overwhelmed, but they also had some talks in there. And, um, like I said, the artists that, that, that if you wanted the right. woo woo of the psychedelic conference, that's where you went because that was the crazy part. Um, but the, the exhibitors, I just want to, I know we're kind of yeah running out of time maybe, but, uh, not at all. We're good. Okay. Okay. The, uh, there were somewhere around 300 plus exhibitors in this uh, exhibition hall. And I would say at least a third, at least in my perception of it was were mushroom related. I have okay. never seen so many mushroom companies from uh, selling functional mushrooms, botanical mushrooms, microdosing, mm -hmm. grow kits, uh, everything you can imagine. And I, I had a, a friend who was looking to, to to grow his own mushrooms. And so he texts me, he's like, oh my God, I found the best exhibitor and I'm buying this, this grow kit. And I said, okay, well, um, I'm, since I'm driving, I can just, I'll drive yeah. home for you. So you don't have to take it on the plane. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh no, they ship. I said, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I said, just the, just the grow material. And he's like, oh no, they're shipping the spores too. So I can get my, they're, uh, he got golden teacher. They're shipping the golden teacher. And I'm like, okay, good for yeah. you. <laughs> so, again, uh, you know, just, just the, the openness of these discussions that we could have rather than behind closed doors or behind the black market or the underground right. market, you know, just to be having these discussions and, uh, uh, just, just cool. But yeah. Uh, so, so many mushroom companies, but, uh, you know, uh, and of course all the, all the traditional psychedelic nonprofits and organizations that, that we're aware of were also there. And that was wonderful again to meet those people. Um, uh, a number of business, uh, analytics and, and marketing plan and business mm. plan type people. So like I said, that was my sign that, Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and oh, and there were also there's a company doing professional headshots for people. So it's like, ah, oh, yes, we're we're again these little signs of, you know, uplifting right. the industry to another level, um, which is, in my mind, again, both a little scary because what's that? What is that level? But right. also something that has to happen because this industry, I mean, we have to move forward. It can't be this little cottage industry. We have to in whatever method we're taking it. And that's still, you know, we're still debating that, but whatever method we take it, it has to get 
beyond where we are now in this little circle. Uh, because again, for the healing, for discovering who we really are meant to be, you know, unless we've done our healing journeys in other ways. But for those, uh, you know, look at you, George. Yeah. I, you know, I, well, I always will love you because you were the first <laughs> first podcast I did and you were also the most interested podcast person ever and, <laughs> and have now become a friend and yeah. uh but i but look at you i love that you know you're on this healing journey you're you have a you know you have a, a career and you're, you're okay with it you're happy with it you you have uh great people on your route and they they appreciate your your work and your service but then as you continue on this healing journey you're like wait this this doesn't really satisfy me doesn't fulfill me this is not what i want to be doing speaking to people having yeah. these in-depth conversations this is what i wanted this is my this is my and so i this is again you know i i don't know how i you know can't shout this or say this in a different way but that's the amazing thing to me about a healing journey is you say i want real meaning in my life and I need to mm -hmm. find what that avenue is. And for you, with your gift of intelligence and personality uh, and curiosity, you found this. And I love this and I laud this because, again, I we need these voices. And I love how eclectic. I mean, I love that you are like, I look at, you know, say, George, who the heck is George speaking with? And, Whoa. <laughs> I love that aspect because again, all these, you know, we know this from our healing journey and growing consciousness, all these things are interconnected in one way yeah. or another, you know, they are, uh, and we just need to find those pieces and, and understand that. But anyway, uh, not, not to pat your back too much, but I, uh, that's what a healing journey is about. You know, it's about just discovering your, your true self and, and, and um, and realizing that that trauma that happened to you that maybe you had even forgotten about but have rediscovered doesn't have to define you and you also see whoa how it has defined me oh yeah. i don't like that i don't like that uh you know i look back at my healing journey and, and right. you know there were moments where i'm really embarrassed by the crap i did but i was so deep in trauma that you know, I literally did not care if I hurt people because if I got what I needed mm -hmm. and, and, and so I guess, I guess that's why I'm also so passionate about it because, you know, I've experienced that in my own life. You know, I, yeah. you know, we have all been traumatized and probably most of us have hurt people because of our trauma in one way or another, either accidentally or, or, on purpose because we were so angry that we just had to lash out. Um, but when we heal, you know, all that goes away and, and we find what we want to do. And hopefully, and I know this sounds a little woo woo, but to people out there, but you know, I think there's a sense that the universe, God, creator, consciousness, whatever we want to call it will provide for us. Like, you know, I, you know, I know we've talked about this a little offline, but and, and I have other friends, same thing, like uh, uh, that are going into the space and and saying, I have faith 
that yeah. this will take off and I don't need to be rich from it, but I just need to be able to provide for my family, pay my mortgage, car payment, whatever. And that's all I need. You know, I don't need that million dollar house in Malibu. I don't need, you know, the yeah. G4 or whatever <laughs> private plane. I, I just need to have a feeling that I am accomplishing something and I am doing something that's, that's helping people. And your discussions are helping people and you're learning and you're yeah. growing. So you're through this, you're actually continuing your journey, which is <laughs> crazy too. And that's why, again, this whole psychedelic back to the conference, you know, we were all integrating our lives with each other in that conference. And again, yeah. now still afterwards, because that's what it's all about. It's just, it's continually evaluating you know, okay, am I on the right path? Am I doing the right thing? What can I do better? Uh, you know, oh, I just had a real, I just, you know, took a bad step back in my healing journey. Okay, how can I get back on course? You know, that's all part of this integration process that, that, um, I don't know, we should probably just call it living, but, you know, because <laughs> that's really, you know, you know, when I first got into psychedelic, yeah. I feel like, oh, yeah, you need to integrate. Oh, what's integration? Oh, you know, a couple sessions where you talk about, you know, what, what you learned in your journey and how you're going to incorporate your life a couple sessions <laughs> okay no 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 not at all it's the rest of your life you know yeah so anyway no it's beautiful thank you thank you for for that i i i've it's interesting when i look at your profile and i see infj i'm an enfj so mm -hmm. like we're so connected in so many ways yeah. and i yeah. think that when we talk about integration and psychedelics and the medicine in our journey. What I have come to realize over the last few years and my relation as my relationship with psychedelics has begun to mature and, and be like a marriage in a lot of ways, like I'm married to the medicine. And, you know, there's so many lessons that I learned. And one of them is that integration means me becoming more like the medicine. Like if I want to understand how to integrate, that I need to do for the people around me what the medicine does for me. Yeah. And that means giving other people insights or a different mm. perspective on how they see themselves. Cause that's a lot of what that medicine does for me. Is it, yeah. you know, I've been thinking a lot about this and here's, here's something I think that's pretty profound that what psychedelics do is they change the ratio in which we use our senses. And for so long, we lived in this literate world where things are measured by science and we need to find ways to quantify the subjective experience. It's very difficult to do because we don't have tools for that. There's no way to measure non-Euclidean non space. But, but somehow we've used language to do it. And that's why language doesn't work. And so... When you take psychedelics, what you're doing is you're really finding a way to encapsulate this, to encapsulate a a more holistic approach to seeing the world. You're, it's a unified form of perception. I should write that down. That's really yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a unified yeah. perception, and that's what gives you that aha moment. Oh my God, it makes sense now. But yeah, because now you've yeah. found a, a uniform way to look at it. Yeah. And when I, I'm so blessed that you use those words to explain what I'm doing, because that's exactly what I'm doing. Like I, I walked away from all these things in my life that were not fulfilling for me. 
or they didn't fulfill me on a level right. that I found to be a life worth living. And not everybody can do it. I get it. And I, 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 but I want, for me, it's imperative. Like I hear something calling me and pointing me and pushing me in a direction. Like this is the spot for you. And I'm like, I don't know how it's going to work. And it's like, right. don't worry about that. Right. It's going to work. Right. And I'm like, well, where's all the money going to come from? And the voice is like, do it. Just yep. do it. I don't, it's going to work. Don't worry. And I, there's something that after that initial anxiety passes, like I'm filled with this sort of, for I think faith is like the only real word that gets close to describing it, but it's more than that. It's like, this is it. And I can talk to so many people and I'm like, oh my God, I can see what they're saying and I can provide them this perspective. And just to be here and, and be in this position where I can talk to a cool friend like you that's so far away, but yet ha we have so much in common. And I feel like when our messages meet together, they swirl around and become one message and then they're pushed back out into the world. And yeah. it's such a beautiful time to be alive. And I really think that what we are seeing is a changing of consciousness that is, that is contagious. What we're yeah. doing, the psychedelic movement, everybody in this community that I've spoken to is part of this wave of change that is going to potentially change how we view ourselves, how we see the world and, and, and heal trauma, be it generational or familial or personal. Like it's, it's just, it's fundamentally changing everything. And yeah. it's so beautiful to me and I'm so stoked to be alive right now. And on some level, I feel like there's a changing of the guard and with, with, with the changing of the guard, with a new bunch of people changing over from, from being participants in the ceremony to being the holders or the fire keepers or the elders, however you want to describe it. Yeah. There's a giant changing of the guard right now. And yeah. I, I really feel responsible in trying to play my part there. And I, you know, I it, it's, it. yeah, it's interesting to think about, right? Yeah. I, and I, I think you are, I think you stepped in that void and you are the perfect person for that. Um, so thank you. <laughs> but, but, but I, you know, the other thing, when you were saying faith, and yeah. I, I totally agree with that, but I, as you were saying the F I was saying to myself, freedom. And so yeah. it's funny because I, from my healing journey, the, the, the yes, it takes, it took a lot of faith and still takes faith. But for me, my overwhelming thing is I just feel free. Like, yeah. you know, like you break the chains. I think you might yes. even said it earlier. Yes. You know, you've broken those chains and now it's like, but it's, it's a little scary, right, George? Because like, oh, whoa. Absolutely. The chains are broken. Like, do I escape or do I stay in, the, in my, you know, my, do I, oh, do I leave the phone booth with that or do I stay <laughs> in it, you know? Because, yeah. because the chains give you some, Security, Prote some protection, some some, yeah. some solid ground. Yeah, you know, you you might hate it, but like, yeah, but I know where I am. It was free, but I love that freedom. I mean, I love that. Put. Every day is different, and I and on days like today where I can speak with you and and yeah. just have a beautiful conversation, um, and I'm not tied to so much of the of the BS of so many jobs that we hold that, you know, I, I, I won't go into great detail, but I had one university I taught for where, you know, I'd wake up at three in the morning because they had certain rules. You have to be in yeah. the classroom five days a week. Right. I'd wake up at three in the morning saying, Oh my God, well, I was in the classroom today. 
because I know if I wasn't, I was going to get a nasty email from the university saying you weren't right. in the classroom. And I'm like, wait, I don't need this BS. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't need this crap. This is this is not education. This right. is, you know, just minutia. And so, you know, that's when I that's when I really changed my you know sort of embracing from professor to educator because that's really what I you know what drives me is the education. And, and so that's why I love what I, you know being on your show. I love just the conference and and talking with people because that's that's who I am. I just want to get the message out there, but it's, I now I have the freedom to do that because of this healing journey. So was there faith, like, freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a point, like at, at, what was your relationship with psychedelics when you came to that realization? Like, I don't need this anymore. Like where were you at on your psychedelic journey? I was pr pretty deeply into the psychedelic journey and, and no journeys to tell me that. So, I mean, I definitely had some messages and sure. I, I, I love, you know, same thing with you, as you talked about, and I love your discussion of the senses because, yeah, I couldn't tell you how I got those messages. You know, it wasn't some voice on high. It wasn't, you know, rad. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I got them. That's the crazy. That is the crazy yeah. part. Your senses are so heightened by all this stuff. Um, Okay, now I just lost where we're going with that. Well, well you, we were talking oh, about. Oh yeah, so yeah, so yeah, so, uh, so I got you know a, a lot of messages. Uh, we talked about perspective, right. and, and uh, I got really strong messages for some letters I had to write for uh, healing to to uh, mm -hmm. do that sort of final apologies to people, and also kind of change the communication we were doing. So I, I got lots of those things, but it wasn't ever about profession, but. Um, it um it was just yeah it was, so i was I, I would say you know very deeply into the psychedelic journeys that i've had and healing experiences that i've had where it just became yeah it just became this is you know really irrelevant it's it's you know i i love in class teaching or in person yeah. teaching you know i love you know even though i'm an i in the mm -hmm. classroom, I, that E switches on for me. Yeah, kind of like now. I mean, I, I <laughs> yeah. mean, you know, I can switch that on if I need to. But, um, but you know, when when it's all online teaching and it's all you know prepackaged, and I have you know one percent say in what can happen in the classroom, it just is not not fulfilling. And yeah, and any and then you add the micromanagement to it. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so I I think while it had been building in my mind, you know, I think that that healing allowed me and, and then, you know, people like you and, 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 and Tom, uh, mm -hmm. our, our other friend and, and some others that have just joined just said, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm taking yep. this leap of faith. So I said, heck yeah, I'm going to take this leap of faith too, because a, I don't need the aggravation of waking up at three in the morning, sweating over something as stupid yep. as that. And B, helping people heal is a million times more fulfilling than whether they know, you know, basic business principles or whatever else that, you know, um, and so, uh, that is freedom to me to be able to do that. I love that explanation of it. And it does seem like freedom to me. And, you know, I, I'm, there's tons of people that have gone uh -oh, before I, us. Oh, did I lose you there? I lost. Oh. Your volume. I don't know uh -oh. why. How about now? I can hear you. Check, oh, check. I got it. I got it. Okay. My fault. Yeah. My fault. 
No, okay, no. good. Sorry. Yeah. I, you know, I love the idea of freedom and sometimes you don't really know what you have until it's gone. And, and, and I mean that in sort of a backwards way, you don't, I didn't know how chained down I was to the monotony of my life yeah. until I broke free of it. You know, I think of the allegory of the cave, right? Like Plato's allegory of the cave, yep. where for your, you're, you're in this cave and you you see the shadows on the wall and you yeah. come up with ideas of what those shadows are. But then in some sort of miracle, you break free and you flee the cave and you're like, oh my gosh, everything was wrong. Yeah. I was lied to my whole life. And then you go through this idea of like, well, I can't be too upset because I didn't know. I shouldn't blame myself. And these other people, they didn't know either. So even though I'm upset that they lied to me, they were doing their best. They, they're still chained down there. Yeah. But then- then, but then like the, you know, everybody talks about the allegory of the cave and how you break free of the cave, but what no one ever talks about is then you go back into the cave, <laughs> you know, like that is, and I think that that is part of the medicine too. And I think that's part of what yeah. you as an author with yeah. triumph over trauma have done. It's like, you broke free. You're like, okay, I'm free. Okay. Let's go back in. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy, yeah. but that's where the real redemption is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, you have to. Yeah, you have to go back in that cave and and lean into the truth. So yeah, you had this perception of the truth while you're in there. That, for some people, could be pretty close, but for the most people, is so far off. Yeah. Uh, and then you, but you have you can't. Yeah, you escape. You're like, oh, thank God, I never go back there. But you have to go back you there. Got to go back. You got to go back with this new enhanced understanding uh, that the medicine gives you and. and uh, because you know the, the the classic line that I didn't get when I first was into this into getting into psychedelics was you know the you have the healing within you you've always had the healing within you the medicine just helps you find it yeah. and I never you know in the beginning I didn't quite understand that I thought oh it's just a good message because we don't want people going crazy with you know using psychedelics every day or something like that to keep getting healing but you know it's true it, the 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 you get the message that you know you're not broken and if you lean into it you can see as in this mature brain not as your child brain or or immature brain or traumatized brain but just as a mature healthy brain you can say oh i i understand that now and now i see these patterns that have all come from that one experience or that one or maybe multiple traumas but and here's how I can, and if you don't embrace that, if you don't go back in that cave and really understand it, then yeah. you won't be free. I mean, you can, you can still get out of that cave and, and have a, a, a changed life to some degree, but you won't have that completely changed that freedom unless you go back and, and, and I think about that also as surrendering to that, to that uh, message but but yeah just leaning into it and understanding it um and that's why i could back to my comment earlier about my ego you know that's i'm still fighting that bastard but uh yeah <laughs> you have to lean into it you have to say okay yeah. what's causing that why why do i still have that why is that ego still getting that hurt over x you know why why is that and so you have to go back into it and, and look at it and, and ah now I see from that episode 20 years ago where that person did this and this happened and then you can change because you have that knowledge now. So, yeah, I love that. So, you know, cave phone booth. Yeah. 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 
And you know what? It brings up another point I was thinking about. It seems that there's different windows in the process of change. And if you look at, yeah. like, say you, I'll take take me for an example. And this is what I've been thinking about lately. Like, I've broken free on some level from the corporate world. And I, I feel responsible to go back and help as much people as I can. And I think there's a window there. I think on some level, achieving a certain amount of success takes you away from the front lines and the magic of truly being able to empathize with people. Because once you reach a certain level of, hey, I know, I know I have, now I have financial freedom. Well, now you're no longer really involved in the struggle. Now you're no longer involved in the front lines. Now you really no longer have those friends that were right there with you that you had the same problems as. So you could talk to them, but you're like, yeah, actually, I, I, I kind of forgot what it's like to have a mortgage payment. I kind of forgot what it's like to have to get up and work 16 hours a day. I, I remember it, but I don't do it anymore. Right. When you don't do something anymore, you atrophy in some ways. And so I think that for those people, when you're when you're struggling on the front lines or if you find yourself in the battle still, you should be proud of that because that means you're still relevant. That means that you still have the ability to inspire people. You know, and I'm not saying that you can't inspire people when you reach a certain level of success, but you definitely become tainted, I think, on some level where you're no longer seen or maybe – you know, maybe that's it. Maybe it's being invisible. Maybe it's the fact that nobody knows you is right. what really allows you to make the change, right? Right. What I was going to say, that? I was going to say almost the same thing. They become, they lose community as they get higher up in that yeah. process. You know, so down below, that's where the community exists, but they've right. lost that. So yeah, invisible, lack of community, either one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy concept. Yeah. That's why I love talking to you. I always come up with these nuggets of truth. I listen to you. I'm like, Oh yeah. What about this and that? <laughs> yeah. yeah great relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's meant to yeah. be. Yeah. Well, I, I think we covered some takeaways, but I don't, I don't think we got through all of them. What are some other ones? Um, I, you know, I make this joke because I, you know, I, I think we've talked about this before, but I, I walk this fine line. I love, you know, the celebrities, Aaron Rodgers. Right. So Aaron Rodgers was there. Jaden Smith was there. Melissa Etheridge was there. But to me, they weren't the ones I was excited about. It right. was the the Rick Doblins, the Jesse Goulds, yeah. the Justin Lapreys. Um, but so, I, you know, but I love, you know, I, I love that we are getting mainstream attention yeah. and these, because Again, I'm just, you know, one little guy, as you said, in Loon Lake, tiny little town in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but, you know, and Aaron Rodgers can have a big platform. And yeah. and and so we need, you know, we need we people need like that. But I just don't want us them. to be starstruck by them. Yeah. And, you know, seeing the line of people all wanting to see Aaron. I, I get it. You know, we're fans, you know, fans and all that. But I just, I want that same group to be behind Jesse Gould, behind Rick Doblin and say, you know, and, and Rick did get that for sure. I mean, uh, like I said, I just felt so badly for him both at the conference. And since then on LinkedIn, seeing all these selfies with him and his eyes getting, you know, more and more droopy, <laughs> but he, you know, he was so gracious, you know, even when I spoke to him and I, I debated whether even speaking to him, but he's just the friendliest, nicest guy. And I, I just, I just laud that because I, I mean, I know he's seeing success finally, but I would be yeah. so weighed down by the struggles, you know, every day. Nope, not there yet. Nope, not there yet. Now decade two, now decade three. 
but his attitude is just so refreshing, so laid back. You know, it, it, again, you can see the healing within him for sure. Just as just as you and I have talked about this offline, and we recognize yeah. different things in people, uh, whether it's the trauma or the healing. We, we you know we can see that. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's, you know, I think that there's a, there's always something bigger at play and like, that's why he is where he is. He's the, he is the quintessential person to be spearheading this whole change, you know? And, yeah. and we got, I think we can all learn from that, you know, perseverance yeah. and, and sticking to your roots and believing in authenticity, no matter what happens and sticking to your dream and, yeah you know, inspiring others. Like there, there's so much in there that, that we can learn from. Yeah. I, I, I think perseverance is a great one. You know, probably we should be talking more about that mm. in the future because again, you know, so much of the pharmaceutical is here's a magic right. pill. Right. And now you're, now you feel better immediately or tomorrow you'll feel better. And with psychedelics or any healing, it's it's a process. It's a journey. That's why we call it a journey because it's not going to happen overnight, and you need to persevere, and you will have setbacks probably. Yeah. But there is that light at the end of the tunnel, and as long as you're heading toward that light, whether you're taking a couple steps back, but persevere. But that's I think we really need to stress that because you know again people are thinking oh well yeah I can take this I'll, I'll do a psilocybin journey and everything will be fine tomorrow and it's like no no, no, no. <laughs> that's just the beginning it's just the beginning right an important beginning but just right the beginning. so i love yeah. that yeah let, let's make sure we put that message out there perseverance for sure yeah and it, it's interesting the way in which it's becoming marketing i was talking to a gentleman that's a magician magic brad is his name and, oh, and wow. he yeah he's an interesting guy and we were talking about the you know the similarities between doing magic on a stage and magic mushrooms and the way you perceive things and how the, you show the crowd something and the medicine shows you this thing. And, you know, he's never done psychedelics before. And he was explaining to me that he had seen this ad for a place in Costa Rica where you go down and you become enlightened and you're done. And I was like, Hmm, not exactly like that. Not exactly like that. I mean, I think you can, it could be a nice step in that yeah. direction. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's just fascinating to get to see first off someone who is, you know, in their sixties becoming curious about using this substance to get rid of a block that they have. I'm like, that's pretty awesome. And then all of a sudden you get to see some of the marketing that's being thrown in there. Like, Oh, here's a person who's just now being exposed to it. And yeah. here's what they're picking up. That must mean that this is the marketing that's out there. And once yeah. you know that you can be like, okay. I see what's resonating with people. Yep. Let me come in over here next to you and, and filter out some of this stuff and give you these things over here. And, yeah. you know, it, it's a beautiful thing. I, I really do think that the changes we're going to see are not only going to be in the next generation and their creativity and the ways with laws, but also there's going to be a, a profound potential for end of life healing and making yes. peace with some of the trauma that you did in the past. Right. Yeah. Yeah, to me that that's such a beautiful aspect of psychedelics, um, you know. And and I know Rowan Griffiths talked a little bit about because he's facing his own end of life. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, to get that piece, you know, you, you know, I ever since a kid, you know, whatever movie or whatever where you see the, you know the grandparent die peacefully in their sleep at yeah. night, you know, 
And it's always been like, man, I want that. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't want to die in a horrible car crash or something like that. But I think that, that, that psychedelics, you know, if you do have a terminal uh, diagnosis, then to psychedelics will give you such peace because, and, and again, we, it's just so hard to describe unless you actually do the psychedelics and have mm -hmm. this experience, but it just changes your outlook on, on so many things, not yeah. only just the healing aspect, but yeah, just perspective and, and, uh, and knowing that there's something beyond to me, that's, I mean, the coolest thing to me, I, I've always, uh, I've always been a spiritual person and uh, had some really intense spiritual moments, uh, not, uh, not like a mystic or something like that, but just like, um, just this sense of this ultimate power that sort of like occasionally went with through me and in me. And, um, and I lost some of that with a traumatic, um, incident in my life, but have gained it back since then. But the, so what, what, what blows my mind with psychedelics is when you have someone who is an atheist or says there's nothing mm -hmm. else out there, come back from a journey and say, Oh my God, I'm a believer. There is <laughs> something out there. Yeah. And to me, that's so again, this, so back to the deathbed or not deathbed, but the, the end of life, mm -hmm. that's, that's, you know, when we're so fearful, like, is this it? Is this the end of life when I when I pass, and the psychedelics show you, no, you know we're we're spiritual beings. This is just a temporary place that we're in, and that give you know from all the research and stories I've seen that gives just so much comfort to people to realize that you know not only to get the healing from their past, but also to see that there's a there's a future for them as well. That this diagnosis doesn't define them; it just defines their physical self, not their spiritual self. This is such an incredible point because it speaks to the very heart of generational trauma. When we have someone that we love that's an elder or older and they're afraid of death or they they find themselves, you know, th they act a certain way. They act scared. They they withdraw. Yeah. They don't want anybody to see them. And they're they're working through these demons, working through yep. these thought processes that are it's a it's a it's an enigma wrapped in a whatever that stuff is called, you know, but it's like a, uh, it's, it's a puzzle you can't solve. So you right. go crazy trying to solve it. And then your yeah. family sees that and then they get scared of death. Yeah. But what happens it, when someone who is allowed to, so when we, it seems to me that when we, when there's an elder who is allowed to maintain the dignity of dying and die on their own terms and they're no longer afraid of death, then the child sees that and they can live their life accordingly. The child who sees someone afraid of death dying on a machine lives their life in that same way. It's like the shadow is cast upon the child and they, they live fearful. They stay chained to something, whether they like it or not, because they're afraid they're going to die. But if you see your grandparents or your parents die in a manner that has dignity, that allows you to live a life without fear or yeah. less fear. Yeah. You know, when you start looking at it, like, what, let me ask the people listening to this. What would you do with your life if you weren't afraid? What would you do with your life if you weren't afraid? Who would you be? Who would yeah. you love? What would you do every day? Yeah. What would you want to do? Because you can. And yep. that's this fear of death that psychedelics, they not only show the older person, don't be afraid to die. 
they also show the younger person, hey, don't be afraid to live. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like those things are very and, similar. Wow. wow. <laughs> and, and wow. And that, that, <laughs> that, that, it, that can be extrapolated to everything because fear freezes us. You, you know, you're so right. It's not just a fear of death. It's the fear of the wrong decision, the fear of the wrong relationship. And so, you know, and I, as you were talking, I thought about, you know, my first marriage, I, you know, I should have left that, a, you know, 10 years before I did, but the fear of being alone, the fear of yep. lack of community, the fear of who am I, if I'm the, a, now a divorced person and all these things, it's kept me in that relationship so much longer until I, it was actually my healing journey that finally said, you don't need to be afraid anymore. You know, you are healed or you're healing. I guess we're never truly healed, but you're healing. Move on, you know, not so, you know, get some balls, whatever you want to say, you know, you yeah. know grow up, grow up finally. Yes. And, you know, uh, and, and it, it was this really crazy moment, like you said, where you're like, well, hell, I'm not afraid of being alone anymore. I kind of want to be alone, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and that, and then, okay, so file the paperwork and then that was it. But, uh, and then just one other thing, just quickly, you know, with my dad, I know we talked to him a little about him a little bit, but, you know, he, he uh, had cancer, he had multiple cancers, he had multiple chemotherapy sessions, multiple radiation, multiple surgeries. Um, when he died, he looked like the, people from the concentration camps mm. all you could see was bones it was it was that memory lasted for me for about a year i, I couldn't see him any other way but that and it, it was really haunting to me but you're right i i lived with that fear for many years that cancer was going to kill me yeah. just like him and it was a shadow you are a hundred percent right um until i luckily had this a beautiful doctor uh gp who said well, what did your father do? And I said, well, he's an organic chemist. And he's like, well, okay. A lot of those chemicals are carcinogenic. <laughs> and, and I said, he was a lifelong smoker. Well, there's number two. <laughs> and he said, you know, no, your father's life does not define your life. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I never was a smoker because I saw what he did. And, and so, but I had to get over that shadow. Yeah. And, um, and that fear yeah, it paralyzes us. So I love that. Thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so mesmerizing to me to just to think about it from that angle, and you know, and maybe what we're maybe this is the power of psychedelics. Like it allows you it, it psychedelics paralyze the fear in a way. You know what I mean? Like they they yes. paralyze the fear, and they they just yeah. pause it for a minute so yep. that you can get a good look at like okay. How long have I been afraid of my own shadow? This is ridiculous. Like just, just stand up for a minute and see what happens. And then, yeah. I don't know. I, I really think that there's a giant connection between psychedelics and understanding what fear is. And maybe it's, maybe it's part of the brain that lights up. Maybe it's seeing yourself in a third person point of view. Maybe it's sense ratios. I don't know what it is, yeah. but I know for a fact, psychedelics change your relationship to fear. And I really am so thankful for that. And, and maybe that's what healing is. Maybe healing is no longer being afraid, you know, and there's all these sure. words about courage or standing up or fear, but you know, I, I really am just so grateful for 
the time we live in. I'm so grateful for the beautiful people in my life, from all my friends that I've ever worked with, for all the tragedies that have come my way, and for the big tragedies that really brought me to my knees and made me ask, why me? Why? Like those kind of instances yeah. are the greatest gifts that you'll ever get in your life. And I know that sounds crazy to say, but you know, it's like, it's like Hank Foley says right now here, let's put him up on the board here. Hank. Hey. So he says, I agree guys, living authentically includes how we sec, how we exit it. And then he talks about witness Roland Griffith's calm, right? Yeah. 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 It's, it's a beautiful thing. Well, first of all, you know, we both love Hank. So yeah. And, and, and I, and I, owe, I, I will always owe Hank because Hank introduced me to you. So yeah. we'll be very great. Always grateful to him. But yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, well, first of all, you know, I just love Roland Griffith, but yeah, his calm, his demeanor about it. And then even in, um, uh, in the some of the discussions uh, in how to change your mind, the, the mm. in the uh, docu series, there was a, you know several of the people that went through that had cancer and I went through the same uh, treatment. And yeah, the, again, the calmness they have, it, you know, Hank, beautiful word, you know, they just have this peace about them that, yeah, I know it's coming, but it doesn't have to be something I fear. It could be something I actually embrace because. Yeah. You know, uh, I just read this. Uh, I have to give a shout out. I just read this. I've been so focused on nonfiction for the past three years. You know, I I I'm just a, and I think like you, Jordan. You know, we're just research nuts. We want to get yeah. to it. We want to read it, <laughs> understand it. But I just read a first fiction one because uh, Jeff's a good as a friend of mine, and it's called Path to Perfectia, the Path to Perfectia. And it's so hard to describe, but he would be an awesome guest because he's hilarious yeah, too. I'm writing it down right now. Um, but he he just presents this just really fantastical version of that. Perfectia is kind of a a, a version of heaven, um, but it's not any religious base. It's just this beautiful place where all the souls hang out. And uh, people come to earth to experience and live a certain story. And they don't remember their eternal souls because that is blocked from them. So they don't have conflict in their life. Like they might like every, you know, it's funny before the mate now with the matrix, we all say the matrix, but before the matrix, you know, when you had these little deja vu moments, you're like, yeah, Whoa, what was that? And then the matrix could have made, Oh yes, that was a little break mm -hmm. of the matrix, you know, but, mm -hmm. But I think that is there's something to that, that those moments are like, whether we think about it as overlapping dimensions, like some mm. physicists say, you know, there are maybe infinite number of overlapping dimensions. So I'm talking to you on this one, right? On another one, I'm dead or whatever, or another one, I'm <laughs> a, who knows, well, astronaut, who knows? But, um, or whether it's that, or whether this idea that we are spiritual beings that most of the time live or exist, not live, but whatever, exist somewhere else, but come down to earth for this novel experience. I don't know. But anyway, it's a, it's a, it's just, a, I told Jeff, it's a book that is, um, oh, how did I word it? Um, I can't remember the exact words. Like you, I should, I should write this down, but it's trickly. It sneaks you in. It starts off uh -huh. with sort of like, 
it's a wonderful life and oh yes it's beautiful and then it just sucks you in deeper and deeper and so you get you get caught up and you you think oh this is just gonna be kind of a light book i can skim but uh some really interesting people. yeah so he a good book to read and he would be a great guest to have too down the line sure. yeah give me i want to when we're done send me all the stuff i yeah i love i, I love fiction and i yeah. you know sometimes i think it's all fiction <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. i start reading these non-fiction books and i'm like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute. <laughs> this whole thing right here you know and it's it's interesting i don't know i i, I i'm surrounded by books and i love stories and i love talking to people and it's so interesting how the same way you can see your trauma in someone you're talking to so too can you see yourself in every book that you read you know good ones anyways and yeah it's interesting I got, there's all these metaphors we're all open books you know and <laughs> it's just it blows my mind to think about Right into the next chapter of the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Maybe even you'll have a new book coming out soon. Yeah, well, actually, right? I will. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a future discussion. <laughs> you know, I, I, we said this on an earlier podcast, but, you know, I never planned to write Triumph Over Trauma, but that was, you know, again, the LSD told me. I mean, again, it sounds so crazy to people unless you've done a psychedelic journey, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the LSDs, in whatever form, my own consciousness or the consciousness of the world, or as you said, who knows, but this message was loud and clear. You are writing this book, but it's not about you. It's about these storytellers. And um, when I finished the book, um, you know, uh, maybe like two weeks after I finished the book, Jen, Jen turned to me, my partner turned to me and said, so what's the next one going to be about? <laughs> And I said, no, no, no. You know, this is like, you know, putting a sausage together. It's not yeah. really pretty. The, out, the final thing is beautiful, but the, the input is horrible and, and lengthy and, and tedious. Uh, and yet about two months later, three months later, all of a sudden I'm thinking <laughs> ideas are percolating mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's, and I think that's part of the healing journey. Journey also is, yeah. I think I think you feel this, George. Yeah. I, I don't know how to describe it, but almost like a wind behind me or a gentle hand pushing me. It's not. Yeah. It's not forcing me, but I just feel lighter. I feel like this message of healing is is one I was really meant to do from, you know, day one, but I didn't learn it until you know, a year ago or whatever. And, and that's the other cool thing about healing is we, again, just discover these things about ourselves that have been there all along, but we've either been too busy, too traumatized, too fearful to actually explore those areas. And so that's also one of the sort of neat side benefits of healing is exploring these parts of you that you never knew existed really. And, but I love, I love the sense of so yeah, so there, there there is a new project in the works, <laughs> um, and uh, Todd Lyman is also a, a, a neat person. He's working on a book right now too. Uh, when I did the Healing Seed, because I, I I I've always been fascinated by Johnny Appleseed because I've mm -hmm. always had a passion for nature, and. Uh, it just hit me one night that I want to be like Johnny Appleseed. I want to be this person that spreads these, and just like you're doing these, these little seeds yeah. of healing. I'm not, I'm not a healer. 
but I can spread the message and say, just give a little spark, like just try this or, or think about this way and just give them a, a different perspective to, to life. And so the healing, so, so Todd uh, texted me right after I posted, changed my name on LinkedIn and said, if you're not giving away seeds in, in future things, I'm going to be really disappointed in you. And I said, <laughs> oh, yeah. I said, just wait, things are coming. It takes a little while to build this, this, this infrastructure. <laughs> But uh, yeah, because, uh, you know, psychedelics will always be a primary healing modality for me because I just see the power in cutting through the BS. You know, you can, I can talk to a therapist for five years and I can control the situation and never talk about anything I don't want to talk yeah. about. The psychedelics are going to say, oh, no. You're talking about it today. <laughs> and so that's what I love about psychedelics. But, um, you know, uh, there are people uh, like Tom DiNardo that I mentioned earlier that are finding the same healing deep, deep into meditation uh, where he is in some totally different form of consciousness just as we do with psychedelics. So it just brought me to this path of, well, let's just identify all the healing modalities and let's put, and I look for, again, I look for books that say, you know, there are books on yoga, there are books on meditation, there are books on breath work, books on psychedelic, but there's no book saying, wait, here are all the different ways we can heal. So that, that'll yeah. be a future topic. So yeah, we'll talk about that more. <laughs> I'm excited, but, man. Yeah. The, the one last thing I definitely want to mention before we get distracted more about the, the conference, which was the most exciting other most exciting thing to me was and i was i was kind of caught off guard by this the number of people at the conference that were either currently therapists whether it's family therapist or uh, psychologist that wanted to learn about how they might incorporate psychedelics into their practices once they become mm -hmm. available to do that and there were so many conversations about that. And it really warmed my heart because that's one, that's one of the big hurdles we have. You know, if let's say MDMA does get approved, hopefully it will. And then psilocybin the next year gets approved for therapy. Well, we need to have therapists that are trained and legally allowed to do that. So of that 12, of those 12,000 participants, a good healthy number were ones that were therapists looking to do that. And then there were also a large number of people that were, hey, I wanna become a facilitator or a guide, how do I do that? And there were uh, a, a number of organizations there, including uh, Be True to You that, that coach, that do train, uh, train people to be coaches. So that to me was really uh, exciting because we need these people uh, yes, you can. Do, once you've done psychedelics, you can do your own journey. You don't need a guide. You don't need a therapist. But for a lot of people, especially the first time, uh, if they don't have a partner or don't have a safe place, then a therapist or a guide makes sense to do that. So the more trained people we have ready when that light bulb or that you know switch flips to legal or therapy model, that the people are available to 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 uh administer that yeah yeah i i think that that is a it's a beautiful thing and i think it speaks volumes of 
where we're headed and where we're at and the the date with destiny that is upon us right there and, yeah you know it's it's beautiful to think about but randall as we're coming up as we're landing the plane here this conversation i could talk probably talk to you for another hour and a half i feel like we've we've made it about halfway through all the, the pages in my notes but you know it's uh it's it's always an incredible time i love talking to you i love you you are an awesome person tell jenny i love her and i'm super yeah. stoked on all the things you guys are doing before i let you go where can people find you and what do you have coming up and what are you excited about? Uh, definitely find me on LinkedIn. That is by far the best way. Uh, they can connect with me, connect with me there. Um, I publish a healing newsletter there about every two weeks with a new article. Uh, so they can find me there and join that, uh, join the newsletter. Um, I'm just excited about where we are right now, George. Uh, um, you know, we, it really hit me that we are living history yeah and that kind of blows my mind i mean yes you know i we, we you know cell phones are part of that because i grew up you know with a landline and and you know uh, uh you know the ipad or, or tablets and all these things but those aren't i mean those are dramatic changes in technology but this is a historic historic life-changing thing and we are not only living it we are yeah. participants in it I know. and that that I, I, you know i hit that hit me somewhere on the road and it just kind of like blew my mind it's like you know it makes me feel like again you know and i don't want to compare psychedelics to the civil rights movement or things like that because that was uh, vitally important but so is healing in my mind but I just think about those people that lived that in that moment that were doing the, that walking yeah. those, those protest marches and are, are and, and, and they were part of history and we now are a part of a different history, but it's still, we are participants in this and we can make an impact and we are making an impact. And uh, that's all I wanted what like triumph over trauma. All I wanted was, you know, if one person finds healing, I'm happy. And I actually, heard from someone that bought the book and um she w did a psilocybin journey and it did save her life and she was close to taking some pills and, and ending it and so uh and it was a friend of a friend that's the only reason i knew because a friend said wow this person just told me you know the story and you should know about it and then uh we were able to con i was able to contact this woman who who got healing uh, so, so that that's what I want. I, that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about this wave of healing that we're on. This wave of 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 understanding each other better, uh, of coming at each other with compassion rather than anger or suspicion mm -hmm. or fear. Yeah. And and um, and then yeah, next time we'll we'll talk uh, if someone if people want to, are curious, they can go to heal healmewhole.com. Uh, and they can find out what the next project is percolating out to be. Yeah. Well, I got a feeling people are going to love it. And um, we'll hang on for one second. I'm going to hang on yeah. with the people, but I'll talk to yeah. you briefly afterwards. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation as much as Rand and I did. Uh, we'll be back. We're going to start doing something regular. So yeah. the last Friday of every month, we will uh, be coming on and chit-chatting and uh, – telling telling some people about the things we're feeling and the projects we got coming up and, and giving our our 
P's and Q's on this whole psychedelic community. And so thank you so much to everybody who participated. Tom, Hank, Adam, everybody, Anya, everybody out there. We yeah. love you guys. We're so yeah. stoked that you're, you're here. And uh, it's such a beautiful time to be alive. That's all we got for today. Aloha. Mm -hmm. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision and I hope you all conquer it and I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better, your life will be better and you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it. <laughs>